What's up, downloaders? Fancy seeing you here again. Uh, my guest in this episode is Tim Marcello, and we discuss 1992's comedy film, My Cousin Vitty, starring Joe Pesci, Marissa Tomei, and Ralph Macchio. This is a classic film. Uh, we've gotten a couple requests, actually, to do this film, and Tim just beat everybody to it. So I hope you guys enjoy this. I really don't have much to announce for this one. Uh, follow our social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Got some videos going up there. I hope you guys have been enjoying them. And if you are enjoying them, make sure you tell somebody. Tell a friend. Tell a family member. Download. Listen. Watch. Really appreciate all the support, guys. And uh, looking forward to heading into the second half of this season and beyond. So uh, without further ado, on with the show. Right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I'm I'm really excited. You picked a movie. <clears throat> so you picked you picked my cousin Vinny. Yes. I've only seen this movie maybe once all the way through. It's it's always one of those movies that's on TV in the background. So I've seen probably every piece of the movie multiple times, but I only really sat down and watched it one time before. So uh so let's 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 start there. Why did you pick this movie? I this was actually the first movie that I saw with that I was allowed to see with my parents when I was a kid. And we lived in Howell. And I remember them laughing hysterically, quoting this movie, and I was like running back and forth, you know, playing with my cousins coming in. And it was just something that every time it came on, I wanted to watch it because I, you know, I felt important. <laughs> so it's got so, that nostalgic feel to you. Yeah, yeah. It's it was like a good feeling. It's like something that like I communicate with my family. So now every time I watch it, you know, I got we I just quote lines from it in the house. <laughs> and my mom and my dad will be like, Did you just say youths? And I'll be like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Utes? It's just like, yeah, youths. And it's just like great, one of those movies you have to Yeah, say. great scene. Great scene there. So we'll yeah. definitely go into detail about that. So uh, before we get started, obviously. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to the show before, but our purpose here is by the end of our conversation, we want to be able to identify whether or not this was a good movie. And I always okay. say that it's a very objective thing to, to ask. Was it a good movie? Mm. Um, some people base that decision off of, you know, cinematic feel and how the director worked. And other people just say, you know, how, how it makes me feel and whether or not I liked it. So mm. uh, just keep that in the back of your mind as we talk about this. Um, okay. So My Cousin Vinny comes out in 1992. It's directed by Jonathan Lynn who also did Clue, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Did you ever seen that movie? No, I, I, I played the game. Oh, my God. No. you got to watch the movie. It's <laughs> yeah. got uh, Tim Curry in it, which is yeah. one of the most iconic roles he's played. But um, mm. So Jonathan Lynn doesn't really do anything else worth noting. He's, he's got Nuns on the Run and uh, Yes, Mister, um, which are two. I think Yes, Mister mm. is a British comedy. But anyway, he does My Cousin Vinny. The movie stars uh, Joe Pesci, obviously, uh, Ralph Macchio, Marissa Tomei, um, Fred Gwynn's in it. Um, big, Bruce, big, big acting classes in this movie. Absolutely. Bruce McGill's in it. I mean, these are some great, phenomenal uh, characters. And Ooh. it starts off with Joe Pesci, or excuse me, <clears throat> Ralph Macchio and uh, his friend, he plays Bill, and his Ooh. friend Stan. And they are driving to college to become 
Are they becoming lawyers? I forgot what they're going to school. No, they're they're going they're going for. If I'm correct, they're like some kind of. It doesn't really say actually what they're going to be. They just thought it'd be. They just, you know, I don't even think they really focus on what they're actually going to school for. They just figured it would be better to drive through the country. Yeah, they decided they, they, were, gonna... they were in a community. Yeah, they were in a community college, and then they got into college way out of you know out of out of town, you know, out of state, country, whatever you want to call it. So. Yeah, it says two college kids driving from New York to go to UCLA, so University yeah. of, uh, of California there. Yes. Um, and they decided to drive cross-country, have the experience of doing that, yeah. which, I mean, sounds awesome. Who doesn't want to drive cross-country with their best friend? Yeah, well, when gas is only like 120, it's not even like right. about like 20. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, they, they're in, is it Alabama? Yes. Okay, so they're in Alabama, and they stop at this Sack O'Suds convenience yeah. store. And uh, Ralph Macchio's character, Bill, accidentally takes a can of tuna. Uh, he didn't accidentally. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I watched a bunch of interviews um, with the, which surprisingly enough, Ralph Macchio's talked a lot about this movie throughout his career. Um, but I didn't find much from either Pesci or um, Marissa Tomei about the movie. I mean, they did a couple interviews when the movie first came out, but there wasn't really mm-hmm. much since then which which really surprised me because this is such an iconic movie in everybody's career but um, anyway ralph macchio says in an interview that he oftentimes gets stopped and asked to autograph cans of tuna um, which i thought was great because i mean it's so oftentimes you see some of these celebrities you know things like this you know these iconic roles follow their their career but did you notice that um when it's like actually today's uh, shopping because when they're shopping, it's like this is eighteen cents, this is sixteen cents. <laughs> you're only paying for a label, fifteen cents. You know what I mean? Like, right? They, you know. And then like when he gets the slushy at the thing, he's like, uh, "Can you fill this up?" You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that's typical. Like when you go to those places, you know. Yeah, yeah it was great. <laughs> so, so they get in the car. He reveals to his buddy how he has the can of tuna, and uh, they find out that they're getting pulled over by the cops. And immediately this cop pulls out a shotgun and tells him hands in the air, which is crazy to me. And yeah. at this point, I'm thinking, how do they not know something more serious is going on? I mean, the cop pulls out a shotgun, but they, they think they're getting pulled over for shoplifting. Yeah, well, they think it's like a gag or something. Right. They go back to the, uh, the police station. There's some questioning going on. The cops are basically like, you know, tell us what happened. Tell us what's going on. And, and they're, they think they're talking about shoplifting. They go back and forth a couple mm-hmm. times. They ask, did, did you do it? Well, of course I did it. I mean, I'll admit yeah. I did it. And yeah. then come to find out somebody has not only robbed the Sacco Suds, but also killed the man behind the counter, which I just want to point out for a comedy, they don't really go a lot into the murder factor that this movie is no, based no, around. No, <laughs> but it, like it starts, it's so funny because they go into it and then, they're like, they skip over that someone's murdered, but they turn into a joke. He's like this. He goes, so tell us what you did. Ah, you know, he goes, he goes, why did you call the cops? Well, he's my friend. Your friend has you in a lot of trouble. Well, wait a minute. And he's like this. <laughs> he's like, so when did you shoot the clerk? He's like, I shot the clerk. He's like, yes, when did you do it? And the, if you ever notice in that movie is there's something more important that goes out, and out in the hallway that gets the officer out there besides a murder. Right. You ever know that? <laughs> Obviously, like, there's other pressing like, things. We need happen. you out here. And he's like, I'm in the middle of a confession. But they're just like, wait a second. There's something bigger that happens that they never talk about, which is actually funny. Well, that's another thing Ralph Macchio mentioned is that uh, he actually had to record that scene several times because the studio badly wanted him to to say that, you know, I, I shot the clerk in mm. a way that 
you could construe it as both a, a question and a statement. So he's mm. like, I had to, I had to like give it the right emphasis to both be a question and a statement at the same time. And it was very difficult. So, um, mm. but obviously, I mean, they're going to need a lawyer. They're going to need somebody to represent them and come to find out, you know, uh, Bill's got a cousin, his cousin, Vinny, yes. who, who graduated law school. And really yes. <laughs> that, so that's when we're introduced to Joe Pesci's character and Marissa Tomei's character and that's where they they take over the movie. I mean, Ralph mm-hmm. Macchio might have a total of six more speaking lines in the movie. I mean, they it, it's it's crazy. That's one of the things I never really realized about the movie the first time I watched it. You know, many many years ago was that you know the movie My Cousin Vinny really does center around his cousin Vinny. It, the movie's about him, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, that's basically like and it, as soon as it you know if you ever look at the movie, they they. Every movie you've ever watched, you always wonder how they get the name, how they get the name, how they get the name. As soon as he drops the phone, he just goes, he goes, my cousin Vinny, you know, yeah. he says it in New York accent. And it's, that's, you know, and that's like where it sets up. And then, you know, it's great because, you know, he's from New York. They're in Alabama and he, you know, it's, oh, it is, it is really your, it's your stereotypical fish out of water movie. Because mm-hmm. you do have this this New York style uh, Italian. Um, mm-hmm. Ironically enough, Joe Pesci finds out while filming this movie that he actually won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for Goodfellas. So oh, no. he, he really is coming into his own as as a as a big mafia esque mm-hmm. actor. I mean, so this movie is so iconic, uh, you know, in, in in itself. But when you think Joe Pesci, you do think you know, um, Godfather and, and yeah. Goodfellows and, and, you know, a Bronx tale, you think of him as that mafioso and he doesn't really play that. I mean, he plays Italian, nope. but he doesn't play mafia in this movie. No, he, he plays the New York side of a, of a, uh, you know, Brooklyn kid, you know, but he does not play, you know, he doesn't have a gun and he's not, you know, killing people in the back of cars and stuff. So, yeah. So, um, I mean, Joe Pesci famously walks away from acting in 1999 um, he does that so that he can become a musician. He releases his second album in 99 entitled Vincent LaGuardia's Gambini's Sings Just For You after his iconic role in My Cousin Vinny. So all those mafia movies, I, mean, I think this one is really the one that stuck with him and the one that you know maybe most projected his personality as an individual. But so anyway, so him and Marissa, Marissa Tomei plays his girlfriend, huge age gap between the two of them. I'm, I'm not sure what the age gap is in real life, um, but even in the movie, she seems like she's probably in her 20s or so, and, and he's got to be at least close to his 40s, if not in his 40s. Um, yeah. But they show up in the small town, and he is he is a lawyer. He He went to law school, but like six years ago, he hasn't passed the bar yet. No, no, he, he did pass the bar. He did pass the bar. He's right. Six yeah. weeks ago, right? Yeah. He says six. Remember, he's like, he's like he goes like this. He goes, second time's a charm. Well, not for me. Six times a charm. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the the boys, specifically the other guy, uh, um, uh, Stan, excuse me. Stan yeah. has a mini heart attack because he's like, this is the guy that's going to represent us. And he yeah. eventually wants to get his own lawyer, the, dis- the district attorney um, or the um, the coin opponent. Uh, attorney to yeah. represent him who has a very bad stuttering problem yes only when he's nervous though only when he's he nervous because you don't notice that when he's first talking to him in the uh you know 
And then he just starts, he's just like, he's like, I got you. And then as soon as he gets on the court, oh, that, that scene, that, that's just like, you know, and it's, it's true. When people get nervous, they start stuttering. Oh, it's painful you know? to watch. It really is. It is, but it's so funny at the same time because <laughs> he's just like, he's like this. He goes, could you? <laughs> you know, and he just gets into it. It's just, and they're just like looking and like, you feel bad for the jurors. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get you're getting spit, spit all over it. Yeah. There's also that that famous scene where where um, Vinny meets them for the first time in the jail cell, and Stan thinks that he's like another inmate come to to do yeah. typical jail stuff to him. Yeah, and he's thinking he's gonna get like raped in the jail. And yeah, it's so funny because you have to ask yourself, like, you know, I'm I'm from Jersey, you're from you know New York, and you say to yourself, you know, you see all these movies when they go into court, you know, you have to go into a room. And also, he went right into the jail cell. He's like, right into the jail let's cell. Do, let's do this. And he, and, you know, <laughs> Rob Maggio is asleep, and he's just like, you know, he's like, wow, you have an ego on you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Vinny decides to represent him. Vinny has some some hard times uh, with the judge, played by Fred uh, Gwynn. This is sadly the last role he plays. Um, very famous actor, most famous for playing uh, the mo- in The Monsters. He plays... The the main guy in the monsters uh, and show. Pet Cemetery too. Is it Mon- monsters? Monsters? Yeah, yeah, the monsters. The monsters. The monsters. Yeah. Yeah. M U N. Yeah, and um, yeah, Pet Cemetery for sure. He plays Herman Monster. Um, he actually despised that role because he got typecast pretty heavily after that. But he he's got mm. very great actor. Um, sad to say that he passes away after this. This is his last movie. He is six five in real life, which is unbelievable. So he plays the typical um, Southern judge. Him and uh, Joe Pesci's character, Vinny, don't hit it off too well. Uh, it seems like Fred Fred does a great job um, playing Judge Chamberlain. Um, does a good job kind of trying to convey that he wants a professional atmosphere. Uh, he takes his, his job very seriously in the court. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Joe Pesci, who, again, never been in a courtroom before, kind of learning mm-hmm. as he goes... Uh, gets schooled several times about wearing the right things and saying the right things. He's held in contempt a few times. Meanwhile, there's this whole side story going on where him, uh, Joe Pesci's character and Marissa Tomei's character can't find a good place to sleep. Every oh, hotel man. has <laughs> loud noises yeah. or a train. Oh, or But they even notice that like when he goes to he's like, they, he asks the guy, he says, no, it never comes through this early in the morning. He goes, Usually comes quarter to four. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the, the train come through you know? at five every morning. He's like, no, it doesn't come through yeah, at five. Come through, through yeah. quarter to four. Quarter to four. He's like this. Oh, very strange, you know. <laughs> you know. But you notice when he gets in contempt and he sleeps like a baby because it sounds just like New York. It's so loud and the right. screaming and the rioting. Daddy could sleep him, but he can't sleep. You know. Right. Yeah, he does. He has this, this classic line where he actually has his first good day in in uh, court, but somehow gets held in contempt anyway. And Marissa Tomei says, "I'll bail you out," and he's actually don't. Maybe I can get a good night's sleep here. Um, exactly, because she tries to bail him out, and then, uh, you know, they uh, she tries to, you know, she hustles the guy for the money, and right. he doesn't want to pay her. And then like that goes. That's like a, a you know, if you ever watch the Family Guy. It's a skit that goes through the whole entire movie. Yeah, it doesn't end until the end of the movie where he finally gets the money. You know. Yeah, he's he. Marissa Tomei tries to get some money by hustling a guy at pool. The guy refuses to pay up, so Joe Pesci goes to get collect the money, and essentially challenges this guy to a fight for the two hundred bucks. But 
the guy doesn't have the money. And then when the guy gets the money, he doesn't have all the money. And then when he finally gets all the money, uh, you know, Joe Pesci lays him out um, and and collects. But yeah, one one punch, one Bam. punch. He's at, at that point, Joe Pesci's pretty ticked off. I forgot I forgot why he's so mad, but he's because he's going. He has to get his. Uh, he's trying to get the uh, the suit. Remember, he's that's like the right. The one suit because the whole town got the flu. Right, the whole store got the flu. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 it's. Very, there's a lot of scenes between Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei where, um, you know, they they play a they play a really nice couple. Marissa Tomei is trying to grow the relationship, get married, have kids. Joe Pesci's obviously very caught up with his his job. Um, they have this back and forth, and it slowly kind of escalates throughout the movie to the point where, uh, so let me, let me backtrack a little bit. Joe Pesci's doing a great job in court. Every witness they put on the stand. He's able to kind of get them to not so much recant their testimony, but on on the stand explain why they might not have seen what they thought they saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, there's a gentleman who says he clearly saw these two guys leave the sack of suds uh, moments after the gunshot happens. Mm-hmm. And then Joe Pesci points out the fact that his house is quite a few miles, like a mile down the road. The screen's all dirty. There's trees in the way. There's bushes in the way. And finally gets the guy to admit that, oh, maybe he wasn't so sure as to what he saw. Yeah. Or did you, I'm going to cut you off. Did you know, though, that, because like I said, it's in the movie a million times. In the beginning, when they, remember when they go get breakfast and they go mm-hmm. to the uh, thing and it's like, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. He immediately, that's, it's like a lot of the stuff that was going on in court. He gets in the beginning because he says to the guy, how do you make what is this? And he's like, Oh, you never grits. heard of grits? Yeah, 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 he's, yeah. Like, he's like, you soak it in butter for 15, 20 minutes. And then as soon as the guy said grits, he was like, Well, wait a minute, let me just make sure it's not instant. He's like, No, uh, respected southerner would do instant grits. And he's like, So you he goes, How can you tell me? Oh, it was <laughs> great. That's I mean, that's really a great callback. He does have the moment, um, like you had mentioned, where he's talking to the guy, the guy that owns a diner about grits and how to make grits and what grits are, because he's never seen them before. He's from New York. Yeah. And when the guy on the stand is talking about how, you know, isn't it possible these two guys went in, cashed out, left, and two other guys came in and committed the crime? He said, there's no way. Said, how do you know there's no way? Well, because it, it took maybe five minutes total. Well, what were you doing during that time? I was making grits. So you, there's no way you could have made grits in five minutes. And then gets the guy to admit that, oh, maybe it was more like 20. Um, or there's that classic scene, so classic, that Rudy Giuliani recently brought it up. Where he's got the old lady on the stand who claims she saw the two guys. Three witnesses. All three witnesses saw these two guys. And Joe Pesci walks across the courtroom, holds up a couple fingers, and says, how many fingers am I holding up? And, and she says, you know, four. And yeah. actually but, then you get the, but then you get the judge. And the judge. He's like, <laughs> your honor, please. Yeah, can like, I, can let the record Mary. reflect. And only Mrs. Mary. He's like, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> that is a, it is a really good scene. So... He manages to get all three of the eyewitness testimonies uh, basically overturned uh, or get them to admit that they didn't see what they thought they saw. But unfortunately, the district attorney has a surprise witness who is able to put the vehicle um, as the vehicle leaving the scene, the vehicle that they're driving. And this is where he's thrown his first curveball and he's having this, you know, really, you know, I got to I have 24 hours to kind of combat this. And the reason why he has 24 hours and what we didn't touch on originally was his interaction with the judge. He gives the judge a fake name um, for him as an attorney because the judge is going to get New York 
to send them, you know, the lawyer information, if you will. I don't know the bar. Yeah, he gives them he gives them his first name. Then the judge can't find it, and then he's like, oh, he's like, well, you know, he said he was an actor, and he's like, <laughs> Gambini, and then he's like, he goes, he goes, Jerry Gallo, and then he comes to find out that Jerry Gallo is dead. Right. So it's actually Jerry Callow. Callow. So here's this is one of the things that maybe you can help me with. I don't understand this. He passed the bar. He is a lawyer. Yeah, you have to be a. uh, I've learned. You know, I've learned this because I have a lot of lawyers. Uh, You have to be. You have to pass the bar in every state. So he's not able to practice in Alabama or wherever the hell they are. Unless, unless the judge, in his case, will accept him as a lawyer there. Okay. And he thinks he's this prestigious, you know, because he says, you know, he's been a lawyer for five, well, it's only been like five months. He's like, you know, I've been a lawyer for five, 16 years. So, so that's what it is. It's not that he yeah. can't practice law. He's yeah. just, he's fooled the judge by thinking he's this grand lawyer. And that's yeah. why the judge has allowed it. So, so yeah. anyway, so the judge says, basically, I should be getting the transcript of your record in the next 24 hours. So unless you can win this case in 24 hours, yeah. you might have well, to. Well, some- you're missing one thing, though, because he gets it back. They go to break. And the judge says, you know, he's dead. He explains him. He goes, yeah, he's dead. He says, callow. And then he's like, remember, he calls the lady. But the judge over there is on, is on lunch. So That's he now right. has to solve it by the end of this day, you know, because right. if he doesn't, <laughs> then, so, you know, he's going to know. Right. So at that point, he's afraid. So because the judge is a little on to him. Obviously, he's not, you know, Vinny isn't projecting himself to be this world class lawyer that he says he is. So the judge is a little on to him and, and says, yeah, you can, you know, you have to the end of the day before I get this information. And hopefully you can win the case in that that fast. Otherwise, you know, basically, I'm going to know you're a liar and I'm going to kick you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Vinny goes to a diner to sit down and kind of review some photos and, and try to try to overturn this last, you know, professional they have about the tire tracks. He has the run in with Marissa Tomei's character, um, Mona Lisa Vito is her name in the movie, mm-hmm. and kind of flips out on her, uh, snaps at her about some pictures that she took. And uh, Marissa Tomei runs off and they get in this little tiff. But afterwards, he realizes the picture that she took actually holds the answer mm-hmm. and that she is going to be the star witness because she knows a ton of stuff about vehicles and it's kind of peppered throughout the movie. There's a, there's a various amount of comments here and there that show that she knows what she's talking about when it comes to cars. So it's not like sprung at you at the end. Like this, you know, you never yeah. saw this come. He manages to get her on the stand forcefully um, using the, the bailiff and the, and the judge she gets on the stand, refuses to talk to him, which I thought was great. She's like, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> uh, the judge makes her answer. First, First, the DA is like, in order for you to project her as a um, professional who knows about vehicles, I want to put her to a test. And he mm-hmm. asks her, like, the, I don't even know, like, the, the cylinder rate of a 19- Yeah, well, some kind of, yeah, something with a car. It's, it's weird. I, I don't even know. How, I can't even quote that part. Right. You know. But she she nails the question by saying that that car doesn't exist or that that mm-hmm. vehicle whatever, and yep. explains how her uncle's a mechanic, her dad's a mechanic, her brother's a mechanic. <laughs> she used to work at the shop. Mechanic. I love I love the sexist. She mentions that she worked at the at the garage with them, and the DA is like, "What were you doing? Like answering phones?" And she's like, "No, I was rebuilding engines, changing carburetors, <laughs> yeah. like, oil, get my hands dirty." Yeah. Um, 
So he basically, with Marissa's help, proves that there's no way the vehicle they were driving could have left those tire tracks because it required independent suspension, which the vehicle yeah, did positive traction. Yeah, positive traction. That there's, there's like two or three things the vehicle would have had to have in order to create those tire tracks, and they didn't. Yeah. Um, and then on a hunch, the only other vehicle that could have done that, that looks like the vehicle they were driving, he has the cop, uh, again, played by Bruce McGill, run that vehicle. And it looks like not only was that vehicle picked up two days ago, you know, reasonably close by, but it was driven by two people who look like the, the defendants and they were found with the firearm on them. So with that, the case is thrown out. And I mean, really, at the end of the movie, Vinny and Marissa go driving off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. So, would I miss anything? Any any critical scenes that you thought were just awesome? No, they just. Um... From the far reaches of the galaxy to an internet location near you, we're don't forget a towel.com your daily source for geeky pop culture news, reviews, interviews, and so much more. So as you're hitchhiking your way through the universe, don't forget to travel safe, and don't forget a towel. Again, with the uh, with the picture, you know, she took that when they first got there, and again, that shows up at the end during the court, which was pretty good. Um, you know, when you, if, when you watch it at times, there's a lot of, like, one-liners that's so funny. You know, like, you know, when she's like, you know, two youths, and he's like, did you just say youths? You know, and the judge is like, that's that's like the famous line in that whole movie, the youths part. Um, and like you said, it's just like a, it's like a, uh, like the bias for the women, you know, it's like she couldn't possibly know anything. She's supposed to be the typical, you know, just woman, and she's reading the law book. She's, you know, doing everything she needs to get him out of jail. She's the hustler. You know, and then at the end, she's the one that basically helped seal the case because she knew about the car situation. So. There, there is a great scene that I forgot to mention where he goes hunting with the DA. Um, mm-hmm. Benny and the DA go out hunting together. And before they leave, he tells Marissa's character, I'm going to try to get some of his files or I'm going to at least try to get some information out of him. Mm-hmm. And they're driving to the hunting place. And he goes... I'd love to take a look at your files. And the guy goes, all right, hang on a second. And he calls up the secretary, make, <laughs> make a copy of all the files. Yeah. And when he brings it back to the hotel room, he's like strutting his stuff. Like, oh yeah, not only did I get him to give me all the files, but he you know, made copies. And, and Marissa Tomei is just letting him talk and dig his own grave. And then finally says, you idiot. He has to do that. <laughs> he has to share all that with you. Yeah. Because like you said, but she that, was reading the law books yeah. too. She was helping him the whole time. And when the, right before when you had mentioned it, when they brought that like the secret guest, the guy with the all about the cars, mm-hmm. you know, he was like, "Where did you learn all about that?" Because he wants to get that thrown out, and he reads the entire book part <laughs> and tells it to the judge. He's like, "Your Honor," and he says it word for word, and the judge is just like, "That is a wonderful point." <laughs> it was very well argued. Yeah, <laughs> he's like this, but denied it. He's just like, "Well, okay." Yeah. <laughs> There are there are some good scenes in this movie, but so here's my issue with the movie. Despite all these good scenes, I didn't find it all that funny. I mean, give me give me the funny the the funny scenes. Where are the scenes that you're telling me that you were you know rolling on the floor laughing and? Okay, so I find when uh, 
Okay, remember when they're at the, the cabin and he's supposed to sleep beautifully in the cabin? And then once he's asleep, you hear the birds screaming out. And he comes out shooting his gun. Like, you know, and then she's pulling back and forth. She's like, my cousin, the one married to my sister. She's getting married. And he's like, excuse me for your boom, boom, boom. Biological clock's ticking. I haven't slept in three days. (laughs) I don't know. I just, very, very, I mean, maybe, you know what it is? You know what it is? I think the movie was somewhat ruined for me because I saw it in in pieces versus really sitting down and watching the whole thing. Not saying it's a bad movie. I'm not giving away my my answer to the question of was this a good movie or not. But I just I look at this as what's supposed to be a comedy, and I don't really find it all that fun. Amusing, but not yeah. funny. You know, it's not a it's not a movie that you're gonna. Like there are some parts in it where you go, you'll go, <laughs> you know, when you first see it, you start laughing and you can quote like the youths and the, you know, he's like this, like when he goes to judge, he goes, why well, I wore this, you know, I think when he shows up in the, in the leather and he's like this, he's like, you were serious about that? You're serious about that? About I that, do like know? when he shows up in the, in the like yeah. nasty <laughs> cream colored polyester suit. Yeah. And the judge gives him yeah. shit for it, and he's like, "Listen, like, I got this for you. It was either this yeah. or the leather thing." And you that's know? why, and that's why he ends up in court because he's like, "This, I'm holding you your And He's like, "Yeah, what else is new?" And yeah. he's just like, looks up and he's like, "What'd you say? No, oh, what? What I say? What I say?" Exactly. You know, when he goes up and like his first argument before they get the uh, the public defender, and he was like, uh, "Everything that guy says, bullshit." <laughs> and he just sits back down, you know. What right, I mean? that's like, his opening statement or opening. Yeah, always that's it. Doesn't say anything else. He just goes, uh, everything that guy over there says bullshit, and just walks sits down, falls asleep during the courtroom. You know what I mean? It's just like uh, so, there are definitely some. Like, again, this is one of those movies that is so heavily quoted and so heavily mm-hmm. referenced throughout pop culture that yeah. know, there are some iconic scenes. Who yeah. well, you so, do like you said. Exactly. exactly. Who apparently has referenced this movie more than once in his legal arguments, which is kind of scary that, that he's well, based his career up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things that I've I've created to help us kind of get to the bottom of this, was this a good movie, is my classic three questions. So let's go into my three questions now. Okay. Question number one was what was the message of the film and do you agree with it? I guess the message of the to me the message of the film is don't judge a book by its cover because you see this guy coming out of state and you're just thinking you know he's just some New Yorker not going to know what he's going to do and anybody can be a you know, can defend themselves, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of job you're doing. So I would say that don't judge a book by its cover. And yeah, I would kind of agree with it because you don't expect him to do what he's going to do when he actually, you know, gets it off. I mean, the other part could be you, you need help with everything, you know, in life, marriage, you know, um, you're married, you know, that as much as you want to do things yourself, you can need your wife's help. He needed, he would not have won this case if he didn't have you know, his uh, his girlfriend, fiance, whatever you want to call it in the movie, her help. So I guess it's like, you know, when he's help. 
Yeah, I mean, I I one hundred percent agree with the the first one that you know don't judge a book by the cover. Not not just Vinny, who shows up, you know, New York leather jacket doesn't really fit in, um, but also Marissa Tomei. I mean, we went into the the DA talking about you know what were you doing at the gas station, answering phones like that. That whole thing of like, you know, just because somebody presents themselves one way doesn't mean that they can't do or execute on mm. something else. So I one hundred percent agree with, agree with that. Um, also, it's worth pointing out very controversial. Marissa Tomei wins the best supporting actress nominee um, for for this film, which is still quoted as one of the biggest upsets in film history. Which kills me because I actually looked up because I didn't know who she went against. She went against Judy Davis for Husbands and Wives, Joan Plowright for Enchanted April, Vanessa Redgrave for Howard's End. And Miranda Richardson for Damaged. I have never seen never or heard of a single other movie. Me either. I was just gonna say, never I mean, heard even, of any one of those people. I've that. heard of I've heard of Vanessa Redgrave, although I couldn't tell you anything she's been in. Me um, but Marissa Tomei wins. This is one of her first films. Um, she was in uh, a couple movies before this, but not many. She was in a movie Oscar. You ever seen Oscar? No. Uh, Sylvester Stallone comedy. It's basically a mafia movie, but it's a comedy and it plays out in like the 1920s. Uh, highly recommend uh, if you're if you got a couple hours to waste. Okay. But anyway, um, it's controversial there. I wanted to point that out before we went any further. But uh, let's carry on. Uh, question two: How did the movie leave you feeling, and do you think it was intentional? I mean, it's it's weird. Like I, when the movie first starts, you know, you you already know, you know what. And they didn't do it, okay. And then through the movie, it it they you're like you're wondering why these people are saying what they are, and they kind of reference it the movie, like if this was a conspiracy, you know, we get one to lie. So it me, you know, I I think that would have to be it. Like, like I guess the movie's trying to make you say, well, maybe maybe they did do it, and just the part we didn't see, you know. I mean, that's the way it goes through the entire movie. You know, because, you know, this one person's like, we saw them. This one's like, we saw them. And at the end, you're like, wait a minute, this can't be because we didn't see it. And these two kids couldn't have done it. And then at the end, they get, you know, this supposed to put the dagger in the coffin. But then it's just like, okay. You know, it wasn't. It was a dagger, but it was actually proven again that they did not do it. You know, and I guess that's kind of like, you know, I haven't seen, you know, a lot of court cases and everything, but there's been a lot of cases that, you know, that have been publicized that you're like, oh, they did this because of what's going on, what the witnesses have said. And they've been that they've been found not guilty or been found guilty. And you're just like, weren't we just in the courtroom like with those people? Did we see it? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, 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 I got to disagree. At no point in the film did I think that maybe they did it. I, I just I did never cross my mind. Never cross my mind. I thought yeah. it was a little. I mean, let, let's let's be real. They kind of glance over how scary of a situation this is. Can you imagine mm. being in some podunk town and being accused yeah. of murder? I mean, there's a there's a scene in the beginning where um, uh, he's calling his mom and he's saying, you know, basically th- these all these people down here know each other. You know, there's yeah. no way we cahoots. need good legal representation because they all know each other. Yeah. All in cahoots. Yeah. Um, and that's I mean, I that's, never. I never thought they did it. Like I know, I know for a fact they didn't. But I would say if someone hadn't seen the movie and they're coming, like let's say you missed the first twenty minutes of the movie, you're like, oh crap, maybe these guys did do it. You know? 
Yeah, I could see that. I, I could yeah. see that. If you missed the first 20 minutes, you might, you know, wonder. Um, it's also worth noting that uh, Joe Pesci was actually one of three people considered for the role. Um, John Lovitz and Danny DeVito were also considered for the role. I think Danny DeVito, I really couldn't see being in this role. But John Lovitz, I could. I could totally see him. I don't think it's the same movie. I think it's a little more yeah. comedy, a little more B movie than than yeah. I couldn't see. I couldn't see John Lovett. I mean, if I had to see anybody, I, I I guess you could see Danny DeVito, but I couldn't even see either one of them. To tell you the truth, and and I was right. So Pesci is forty nine when the movie comes out. Mercer Tomei is twenty seven. So yeah. holy cow, twenty two years. Jay Z and Beyonce. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Which I mean, they are clearly the Jay Z and Beyonce of film. Yeah. Um, so okay, my last question: What is the most important sequence in the movie? Uh, what do you mean by important sequence in the movie? Like the most important scene or the most important events that happened in the movie? It has to be the. Uh, it has to be the right when they're at, they're in court, the last scene because if you remember, he says to her, "Does a defense case hold water?" And she says, "No," right? And everyone, and then you look at you know uh, everybody, and they're just like, "What? Like, oh my God, she's telling us that we're guilty, you know?" And then, bam, she hits them with the you know, you know, she just boom starts speaking about the car and the positive traction, you know, and starts speaking about the, you know, the mud because remember he again if you look at that one, remember his car got stuck in mud, right? right? And then it just keeps spinning, and then um. You know, in the beginning of the film, you know, mud in the tires, you know, right at the end, it kind of brings back everything what, you know, what was being said. So without that, you know, you don't have a case. You just have like, all right, maybe he was wrong with the time of the cooking. Maybe she was wrong because she had different glasses. Maybe it was too dirty. But it's like, you know, there's, 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 there's still reasonable doubt. Yes. But, you know, these guys are from New York and they're in Alabama. You know, that jury without without them canceling that case, you know defense to miss all charges they're good they're going to go down they're yeah and i agree and, and i agree that is that is probably the most important sequence is that whole scene i mean that re that's really what the movie's building to right i mean do you, you have some some suspense early on he's able to throw out pretty much all three eyewitnesses and then you know when the defense pulls out this or excuse me when the da pulls out this you know surprise witness about the tires you're like he's cooked um i guess i could argue that maybe the diner scene where him and her get into a fight is important too, yeah. but that that's really just a build up to the court scene. Yeah. So I 100% agree with that. So the movie's released March 13th, 1992. It's got an approximate 119 minute runtime, which is perfect, but you know, two hours ish, uh, right yeah. around there. Probably could have been slimmed down, maybe an hour 45, but either way, it's good. Budget for the movie's 11 million dollars, uh, which is nothing to, to be shy at. I mean, probably all went to uh, wages being as all the big headliners they have on this movie, but it winds up grossing 64 million at the box office. So, I mean, we've talked about this before in the podcast, when a movie does double uh, it's, it's budget, it's usually considered a success, but to do essentially four times or excuse me, six times it's budget. Um, this movie was, was a huge hit and has continued to be uh, a staple yeah. of, of pop culture and, uh, and reference many times over. So then, I mean, I guess I don't have to ask, but I'm gonna. What do you think? Was this a good movie? I think it was a it was a it's a great movie. You talk about it as a classic. You know, it's funny. You can sit there and say, "Oh, 
it, you know, I don't know if it got great reviews when uh, you know it first came out, but uh, if you remember correctly, The Wizard of Oz got terrible reviews, and it's something that they show every holiday, you know. So this movie is if you know if there's nothing on, you watch it. Uh, it's kind of like The Godfather, and like I said, a Bronx Tale, and all those those movies. You know, it's like you just you watch it, you giggle at it, and then you know, or like you said, it's something that. You can pick up in the middle of it, you know, watch something that goes to a commercial, you leave, but you, you know, you always come back to it. You know, that's how I, I see the movie. So here's what I'll say. I, I do think, I do think it was a good movie. I, I do think my cousin Vinny is a good movie. I don't know if I'm putting it up with the Bronx tale and, and Godfather. No, no, you can't, you um, can't really. No, no, you can't. But it, it like is that, a good movie. Here's, here's the thing. You're going to find the movie in the $5 bin at Walmart. You're going to find uh, the movie and you know, on a, on a cable channel at the middle of the day on a Sunday when it's really mm-hmm. not competing against anything else. But it is the movie that when it's on and nothing's else, nothing else is on. I'm satisfied mm-hmm. sitting here and watching it. And like mm-hmm. you said, the beauty part about this movie is that it's such ingrained into our culture that you can really turn it on at any point in the movie and you know what's going on. You know what's already happened. You know what's going to happen. But yet you're still entertained watching it. So, yeah, I think this is a good movie. I, I would give it probably a solid 7, not a 10. Yeah, I would go with a 7 or 10. I mean, it's got... When you look at a movie, you have to... You want to make sure that it's got classic lines you can remember and, you know, specific scenes. And this one has... You know the lines. I wouldn't say like you're like, oh, remember this scene? No, you really remember the lines. You know, like you can't forget the line when she's like, "You're drinking a cool glass of water. You put your lips to the day, and bam, he shoots you in a, you blow your. Yeah. You really think you care what kind of pants he was wearing? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but it's it, it's just one of those things. You just like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, it's the lines. Like every movie has lines in it, or you know, famous quotes, and I think those are the you know that's why this movie I, I give it such a good high, like a seven or eight, because the 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 one liners and the the quotes are just, you know they're just you can't beat it, you know. So one of the other things I love to do on this podcast is play a little game called Guess That Tomato. So Guess That Tomato is pretty simple. Uh, if you've ever seen uh, Rotten Tomatoes, they do a score of the movie, both critics and audiences. And what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you guess the audience score for 1992's My Cousin Vinny. Then I'm going to sprinkle in some hints, give you a chance to revise your guess, and we'll see how close you get. So on a scale of 0 to 100, what do you think the audience rated My Cousin Vinny? I would say 57 Okay, 57. So I will tell you that 109,000 people rated this movie. Only 58 credits. So, or, or critics, rather. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the critic score. I'm okay. also going to give you three movies that are within 2% of this movie's score, plus or minus. So first, okay. 58 critics rated My Cousin Vinny an 86, which is pretty impressive. Um, okay. And as you know, the critics can go higher or lower than the audience because critics mm-hmm. and audiences very rarely agree. Um, but yeah. here are your three movies that are rated within 2% of the same score as My Cousin Vinny. Movie number one, 1917, an amazingly one-shot movie about two men who have struggled to deliver a command to the front lines of a war. Movie number two, Onward, the movie your nerdy friend raved about 
that centers around his long-running D&D game. And movie number three, The Sisters Brothers. Their last name is Sisters, but they're brothers. They are the Sister Brothers. Oh, damn. Uh, well, then I would say 47, then. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen any of these movies? Well, I know. Isn't Onward the, the, car, the, the cartoon one? Yeah, that just came out on Netflix yeah. Couple, yeah, about a year I ago. Great. I, thought that, I, I thought that was great, too. Um, <laughs> so, I it has to be, I, I think it has to be in the 50s. So, I'll, I'll stick with, like, 57. All right. Yeah, it has to be in the 50s. 109,000 people rated My Cousin Vinny. An 87. Wow. This is huge. This is a really high score. Yeah, I would. I wanted to go higher, but like every time I see the Rotten Tomatoes thing, it's always it always lets me down by telling me it's so much lower <laughs> than what I thought it was. So that's why I went fifty-seven. But you know, if I had to change my answer, I go yeah, I go ninety-five. I mean, I think I think you know a movie like this it averages out over time, right? I mean, when movies first come out, audiences can be pretty brutal to it. But a good movie or a bad movie, it's going to average out over time. And this movie is going on almost almost thirty years old. Um, eventually, this, the audience is going to start bringing that score up. Uh, I think it's great. That the, so they had the movie poster up here, and it's Marissa Tomei with her arms around Joe Pesci, who's mm-hmm. got a briefcase and is standing on top of a bunch of law books because he's so short, yep. um, which is awesome. So and she's holding the she has like the the camera, right? Is that the one where she has the camera. She is, no, she doesn't. Yeah, it must be two of them because she does not okay. have the camera in this one. Some of the yeah. uh, some of the critics. Let's let's read some of the critics. Um, one who voted positively on it said, "My cousin Vinny slumps badly as the courtroom scenes drag on, but when Tomei is on screen, even the jury wakes up." That's interesting. Okay. Vinny that is, is a winning character, and Pesci's performance as the be- beleaguered litigate is terrific cranked yet cuddly huh i don't know if i describe him as cuddly no um, he's you know he's lovable the... yet you have no choice but to like him in the movie oh i agree i though i do that that whole scene with him and tomei on the um like in, in the woods there where he freaks oh, out like about, the car. yeah i yeah. wasn't a big fan of that scene but yeah anyway, I, you know Thanks for the suggestion. I really enjoyed the movie. I really appreciate you uh, suggesting it. Before I let you go, um, it's the belief of the owners that don't forget a towel that everybody geeks out on something. While it may not be law books or you know your Italian cousins, you know it, it, maybe it's you know uh, movies and, and TV shows. So I got to ask you, Tim, what is it you're geeking out on right now? Um, what am I geeking out right now? It's uh, what's what's taking up your spare time and uh, become your hobby. Basically, I think it would just have to be uh, sports right now because I'm just trying to look in there and find out what's what's going on, you know. Because you know, there's no more fantasy football, you know. And you come <laughs> in like so you come in second to last a couple years in a row, you know what I mean? You gotta you gotta redo that <laughs> stuff and find out what's going on. Is you football know? your go-to, or are you into like basketball and other other sports? I I can like anything that comes to finals, you know, whether it's the baseball, whatever it is, I'll watch it. You know, like basketball, you won't see me watch until like the, the NBA finals comes along. Um, football and baseball. Football, I watch all the time, you know, no matter what game is on. But baseball, it just has to be like the Yankees, you know, and I just watch them. So it doesn't really matter. So it's like, you know, but I love going on Twitter and like reading stuff that's going to, you know, happen for football, baseball, and find out who I'm going to draft next year that won't get injured. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, I mean, now's yeah. your chance. Anything you want to plug? Any shout outs you want to give? Uh, you know, uh, you know, BAMs, yo, go support BAMs. You know? <laughs> really? <laughs> That's a throwback. That's I, I, I got, I got no, I got nobody else to, uh, you know, I don't like a lot of people. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate your time, Tim. Uh, thank you so right. much for being a guest. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Anytime. All right. Take You've got Gutsy Media Podcast. Leave a message about any movies you've covered and maybe we'll add to the show. Thanks. Hey, this is Tim's cousin, Benny. Heard he did a review of my cousin Benny on the show, so I had to call in and say, what's up? Yo, this is Tim's favorite all-time movie. The dude's got no fucking taste. Movie's terrible. Get out of here with Ralph Macchio. Nobody wants to see their Friday kid getting his ass whipped in prison. Nobody cares about... Marissa Tomei and her little New York accent. Fuck that. Shit bullshit. Uh, only good thing about it is, man, Joe Pesci. I like angry short men, so you know I love Joe Pesci. But the rest of the movie, terrible. Don't give a shit about it. In fact, it's Tim's favorite movie. Dude's got no taste. I call him a ham sandwich. This shit's terrible. See you later.